0: Romans chapter 8 I want you to look just to begin here with is at Romans chapter 8 uh, verses uh, 16 uh, Well 17 and 18 so we'll look at that there in, in Romans chapter eight verses 17 and 18 just to get started here And from the uh, sheet that you had now, I hope you went back in the foyer if you didn't have it or with you and picked it up but uh, I'll just give a review on that. Uh, we'll be going. Uh, we won't be here in Romans 8 all night, I, I'll, I'll promise you that. We'll be going to uh, the book of uh, Philippians, we'll be going to the book of Colossians, and, and we might even get to 2 Corinthians, and so there's about three different books we're going to look at in praying on this and, and preaching on this particular subject. And, of course, the idea is, uh, really in all this, the ten points that we as fellow believers need to pray for these 10 points consistently for one another. Now, we're going to see that as we go along here. Uh, Last week was more of an introductory, but, you know, things are important to know. And sometimes there are things that one another for all the people, you know, why this, why that? Well, if it's in the Word of God, it's, it's very important. You know, it's kind of like the lady went to a doctor's office And uh, it was was actually a clinic and went in there and had a problem and they sent her in to see a new doctor. Uh, And boy, in about five minutes, she came running out of that office, screaming down the hallway, crying and screaming. And uh, one of the older doctors that was there got her stopped, sat down and talked to her, find out what the problem was. And he says, don't worry. Went back and says, what's wrong with you? Youngsters just getting out of uh, starting your practice now as a doctor. What's wrong with you, Mrs. Jones? Is fifty-nine years old. She's got four grandchildren, and you told her she's with child. She's expecting. He says, "What is wrong with you? We're in the healing business." He says, "Does she still have the hiccups?" He healed her, okay? Might not have been the best way to do it, but he got her healed, okay? Now, you know, that's just a different illustration, but what I'm saying is is this. Sometimes when we're told about how to pray for one another or other things or command doing the Word of God, I don't want to do that. All that. And sometimes we need to be shocked into it. Just like that lady had to be shocked to get straight. Well, sometimes you've got to see things uh, and say, well, you know what? Why not just do it God's way to begin with? Do it God's way to begin with. Sometimes there are things that happen in their lives that seem to be like bad things that turn out to be good things. Sometimes those bad things brought you back to the Lord. You were fr- from Him. And as bad as it was, it brought you back to the Lord. Now, looking then at Romans chapter uh Let me start with verse 16. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Boy, I tell you what, that's eternal security. The Holy Spirit. When we got saved, we received the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit came to indwell us and was with you from now on, folks. And so, He's there. And when you're standing before God, you know what? We are. Have the Holy Spirit bearing witness that we are the children of God. Verse 17 says, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. Now understand, God sent his only begotten son to die on the cross for our sins. He paid our penalty in full. He did it all for us. Christ did it all. But He was the Son of God. He was the Son of God from eternity past. He was always a Son. It's just that He never had a body until 2,000 years ago, a human body. Flesh and blood like we have. But God is a Spirit. But even as a Spirit, He was the Son of God. When we receive Christ, but as many as received Him, to them gave He the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. And so, we become a child of God as well. Now, we're not on the level of Jesus. However, He says there, joint heirs with Christ. Now, when you're joint heir, that means uh, really the main guy. You're the joint heir. So, the main error is the executor. He delves out what the will called for. And as I've told you, in times past, the Lord has a specific will for your life. You were created unto Christ Jesus, under good works, which God hath before ordained that you should walk in them. He already had a plan for your life. He's got a specific will for your life if you're saved. And you've got to decide you're going to follow it or not. You're going to do God's will, God's way. I didn't say God calls everybody to be a foreign missionary. He doesn't call everyone to be uh, in full-time ministry, as we call it, full-time ministry. He doesn't call everyone to these different things, whether it's Sunday school teaching or something else. None of those things are bad. What I'm saying is, is this. You may be called to be a mechanic. You may be called to be a carpenter. You may be called to so many different things. But you know Jesus was a carpenter on this earth. And he was a light of the world. In him was life and that life was the light of men. The light shined in the darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. So what I want you to note that although that light shineth in darkness. The darkness doesn't always get it. But he stuck with it. Just because it doesn't go the way you think it ought to be is, as you are in the world, all these vocations, that's great. God put you there as a light. Now, you're not going to be a barmaid. You're not going to be a bartender. That's not where God puts you. Okay, he didn't put you there. Okay, You don't do those things. But he puts you into various vocations as a light. Where you live you're a light. Where you go, you're a light. That's why you should always carry carry with you tracks. Tracks to bring others to Christ. And that is so important. And so, children, heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, it so be that we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. Now, understand that glory is ahead. Now, these are things we covered last week, I know that. But these are things that uh, we need to grasp as we get into this praying for one another. So, the glory uh, belongs unto Him. Yes, it belongs unto Him. So, The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. A lot of times we go through these sufferings and as I told you this morning, have eternity set in your heart. The best is not yet now, the best is yet to come. Okay? Now, uh, we hear the name of the news, George Soros, we look at the name Donald Trump, we look at different names, billionaires. Billionaires. But what we have laid up for us in eternity makes them paupers. Now you think about that. The comparison would be they are paupers at best. And so that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. And one of the things we uh, tried to end up with is don't go around because all the troubles you might have being a Christian Maybe people laugh at you. Maybe they scorn you. Maybe they make fun of you. They mock you. Maybe uh, you lose getting a position because you're a Christian. Maybe you lose something else because of that. You don't get the job. Maybe all these things go on that seem wrong. Oh, no. Don't make yourself a victim. Get rid of that attitude. You endure. You're a victor. You endure. You stay true to the Word. You stay true to God. You're a victor. You're not a victim. Now let's think about it. I just mentioned some things about uh, uh, on the job, other things. Remember that song of No One Ever Cared For Me Like Jesus? Charles Weigel. I got to hear the man sing when he's up. I think he's around 94, 95, 96 years old, somewhere in that area. And he actually could still sing. And he sang. He always carried some music in his uh, coat pocket, really just the words. He had just made up another song, wrote it down, and, and if he got called on to sing, he'd stand up and sing it. And that's the way he was. But when he was a young man, he got saved, gave his life to the Lord, and then he started singing and witnessing and preaching. The lady that he was married to says, Now, I'm going to give you a choice. You can stop all this preaching and all this other stuff you're doing or I'm leaving you. She left him. She left him. He was down, as a matter of fact, this was in the state of Florida, down at the Sunshine Parkway. He was going to end his life. But the Lord gave him a song. I would love to tell you what I think of Jesus. Since I found in him a friend so strong and true, no one else could take the sin completely from me. No one else ever cared for me like Jesus. And all all the words of that song are, are just outstanding, tremendous words. But what I'm saying to you is that it cost him something to stand for Jesus. Got teenagers here tonight. Teenagers. Let me tell you something. You take a stand for the Lord. You won't do the things a lot of the other teens are doing. You don't want to step out on and do those things. It may cost you mocking. It may cost you scorn. It may cost you people gossiping about you. It may cost you a lot of things. But those kids that are so popular now, if they're saved, They'll be saved, so as by fire, unless their life gets right with God. More likely, they've got religion, but they don't have Christ. And God has you a light among those teenagers. In other words, just like all these things I've just said to these adults, He's given you that same responsibility. He's given you adult responsibility to be a light in the world for Jesus Christ. So I wanted to point that out as I read those those verses there. And then I want you to understand that our judgment is not now. The judgment seat of Christ, that's to come. Our reward is not now. Our reward is to come. Good things happen in this life. You rejoice when a loved one gets saved. You rejoice when you see God change a life. But understand, the best is yet to come. It really is. Well, let's have a word of prayer, and we'll get to the message tonight. Now, Father, I pray that as we uh, just looked at these verses, Lord, that we covered last week, and Lord, we're going to look at these principles now that are straight from your word. They're your principles, not mine. So, Lord, I pray that as we go over them, that you would help us with it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Now, this is when you probably need to get to Ephesians chapter 1. And in review, last week we covered the first two of these. That that was all. We got the first two, so we'll try to get right on this now. Number one, pray that God will give us each the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. That was Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. The knowledge of God, we told you then, was knowing His person. I used the illustration of Getting married, you get married, you say, boy, I really knew this person. And then after being married about a week, said, uh, where was that person I married? Who are you? What did you do? What did you do with that person I married? And you realize you didn't know each other. You, really, you think you knew each other, you didn't know each other. But that was all right. Part of the marriage, part of the love is growing to know one another and becoming one. Not just in one flesh, but one in spirit. Getting to know the person. Knowing, hey, don't say that. Boy, that's going to upset him. That's going to upset her. And and you learn the things that you should say and not say. You learn the things you should do and not do. Because you grow to know the person. Grow to know what pleases God. And the only way you're going to know that is be in the Word of God daily and meditate and think on it and live to obey it. That's the way you're going to find out. And so, you're going to, uh, Look here at number one, pray that God will give us each the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Revelation is the idea of enlightenment. Wisdom is the knowledge of right and wrong with just judgment as to action. And that's what we gave you last week in that, uh, looking at uh, verse 17 of Ephesians chapter 1. And then number two we hit, pray that each member will know the hope of his calling and the glory of his inheritance. Now, I like the idea, it says his inheritance. It's the inheritance of Christ. That's why we are joint heirs with Christ. And it's glory to him. How's that glory? Well, just think of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. He's on the cross. He's despising the shame. But he endures it. Why? For the joy of that was set before him. Now we could go in the description of the cross about uh, the pain, all the mockery, all the ungodly and terrible things they would do to a person. And it would about turn your stomach. But really, all of that wasn't even as painful as when my sin was placed upon him and your sin. And he suffered, he suffered for that. What did he suffer? He he suffered the outpouring of the wrath of Almighty God the Father on his human spirit. What he suffered was what everything my own self should have suffered. But he did it for me. The bodily things they did to Christ was terrible. But as much as that pain was to a physical body, it doesn't match the pain that he would have when he poured out, the Father poured out his correction, you might say, his judgment on his human spirit. And Jesus despised it because not just of what it was publicly, but he who knew no sin became sin for us. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Oh, that is love. That is love. And so, that we might each know uh, the hope of his calling and the glory of the inheritance. To go through all of that. To give us the inheritance of eternal life. With him. I can go into John chapter 14 and talk about mansions and all that. But a lot of times we get to thinking different things of that. I don't want to do that tonight. I just want to concentrate on the fact that when you, uh, we need to pray for one another. That we would really, each of us would know the hope of his calling and the glory of the inheritance that we have in Christ. And each of us would have the spirit of revelation and the knowledge of God. Now tonight we want to get to looking here at verse 3. Pray for one another that each might know the power. His power. Know His power. Now we're looking at Ephesians chapter one and verse nineteen for this. But before I read that, verse nineteen, I want you in Ephesians chapter one. I want to go up to verse fifteen. They've just heard. They've heard about the, these people being saved. They've heard about how they were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. They received the Spirit of God. That's a sealing that the uh, devil can't break. He cannot break that seal. Because it's the Holy Spirit. You know, the Bible says the Holy Spirit is the earnest of our salvation. You say, yeah, boy, that's great. What is that? You pay, pay earnest money on a house, the earnest says that you're going to make all the payments and you're going to pay it in full. If you don't, you lose the earnest. As the earnest for our souls, God, when we received him as personal Lord and Savior, became the earnest by giving us his Holy Spirit as the earnest. For you to lose salvation, God has to lose completely his Holy Spirit, and that's not going to happen. We are secure in Jesus Christ. Now, having said that, again we look there at number three, Pray that each member might know his power. So now, let me read, because I want you to get this here in verses 15 through 19. Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love unto all the saints, that ought to be the testimony of Central Baptist Church and every local church that names the name of Jesus Christ. The love unto all the saints. Cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. No, look, just think about this. The Apostle Paul is praying for other church members. And he says, I don't cease to do this. This is for each of you, he's saying. I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of His calling and what is the riches of the glory of His inheritance among the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us, Word, who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly. you know a lot of people say well I'm preaching those things we know those things live like you know it live like you know it you know i've heard people i've actually heard this preach too much salvation preach too much this preach you know and really i've been told i preach too much salvation and i've been told i preach too much bible and if you keep doing that people aren't going to get saved as crazy as that sound, they've said it. But let me say this. The preaching of the gospel is power to them that believe. And if that is not what it is to you, and you get upset about a salvation message, you need to get right with God. Your life is not right. You're backslid if you're even saved. It ought to mean something to you. What we just read means something to me. Of what Christ did for me. I hope it means it to you as well. So we want to pray that each member might know. His power. And when we talk about the power. Again most often in the scripture. It's speaking about his authority. His authority. Many times when you see power in the Bible. It is speaking of authority. God has all authority over this universe. He sets on the circle of the earth, Isaiah 40 tells us. He looks down, he sees all of its inhabitants as grasshoppers. And yet he knows each one. He knows our thoughts apart off. He knows our downsettings and our uprisings. And the most amazing thing about that, knowing every thought, every intent of the heart, every word, every Idle word, everything that's ever come out of your mouth. Yet, he still loves me. Wow. That's the amazing love of God. And so, we're praying that each may know his power. Because he has authority. You know, Isaiah 40 also says that he knows all this universe. Every star that he created. Listen, he's the one that set the course of the stars. He's the one that set the course of the universe. He has measured the waters of all the earth in his poem, the Bible says. Why? How can he do that in his poem? He upholds the earth. He's all powerful. He's omniscient, omnipotent. He's God. And he knows all of this. He has all authority. He's named every star. There are billions of stars. We we haven't named them all. We haven't seen them all. He knows them and he commands them. And as Isaiah 40 again says, who are you going to liken me to? (laughs) You know, you think about that. Who are you going to liken God to? There is nothing of this earth, none, none of us people that we can liken God to. We're to be godly, we're to be godlike, but we can't, God is not to be Andy-like. Okay. We, uh, Andy is to be godlike, godly, holy. A living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto him. As I've told you so many times before, living sacrifice, sacrifices were usually killed, put on an altar and, all of that and all those sacrifices of the Old Testament. But a living sacrifice, instead of slaying an ox, you might say, for that sacrifice, the ox was pulling the plow at the masters, at the gardener, as the husbandman would direct it. And it pulled the plow, plowing the field, plowing the soil, Preparing it for seed to be planted. And so, when he would do that for us, we are to be a living sacrifice. Your body's still living, then you're not a dead sacrifice. Be a living sacrifice. Do his will, his way. And you don't know his will if you don't seek it with your heart. That's why you need to be in the Word. That's why you need to pray. Be faithful in your prayer life and be faithful to Him. And so, uh, let me continue to read there as, as we've read. And, and he says here, I think our verse there was uh, on that, okay, verse uh, 19. Okay, let me read verse 16. I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of His calling and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe according to the working of His mighty power, which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him at His own right hand in heavenly places. Now the reason I read all of that is this. We need to get to understand it. Because This is how they prayed for one another. Why don't we pray that way any day? Maybe in this day we don't pray that way for one another in our own local churches. Simply because we don't even understand the scripture. And we don't understand the full importance of this. Well let me give you an idea of the full importance. We're living in the woke culture as they call it. The woke culture. You've got people with doctorates. I mean, they got letters after their name. They're sitting on the Supreme Court, and they don't know what the definition of a woman is. What does that tell you? That tells you fully depraved education. John Dewey, back in the late 1890s, and actually before that he was writing, and John Dewey is actually considered to be the father of humanism. Now, it actually started before him, but he's the one that kind of perfected it and worded it and things of that nature. And through that, they've got what they call critical thinking. You've got fundamental Christian colleges today that says we're compatible. We have critical thinking. We're compatible with common core and other things. That's my red flag to say, I don't want my children going there. If you're compatible to sin, I don't want you there. Now, so they get into critical thinking. What does critical thinking do? Crit- critical thinking takes your children out of school. Uh, what, did you get in trouble at all this week? Yeah, what What'd you do? And they tell. Uh, what did your parents do? They did this or they did that have your parents done that what should they have done they already undermined the authority that god assigned to the home that's critical thinking that's what it does critical thinking questions authority in aspect but you know what they get upset you know what i get letters on emails and other things you know what i get on get it on is saying something about critical thinking. In other words, you can be, you ought to be a critical thinker except when it comes to critical thinking. Why do they get upset about it? Because of the weakness of what they have. My, The Word of God, it stands. It stands forever. So I'm not going to be concerned about what educators tell me. I'm going to be more concerned about what God tells me. When there is a difference between an educator, a scientist, and the Word of God, the Word of God is always, always, always right. And that educator, that scientist, and whatever they are, is always, always wrong. That is the Word of God. Stand on it. Stand on the Word. Be true to the Word. And so, we want to know His power. We want His authority in our life. We seek his will. We seek to do his will. And that's why verse 19 says, we might know what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power. You got two words together there, mighty and power. His mighty power. His mighty authority over the universe. He spoke the worlds into existence. In Genesis 1, let there be light, and there was light. He spoke it. Psalms we find out, he spoke it. Yes. He's the creator. He spoke it to existence. All of science hasn't been able to do that yet. And so his power, his authority is over it but His mighty power. You see, when talking about mighty, you're talking about strength to do. As a Christian, live in the authority and the strength of the Lord. He's given you His Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will give you the strength if you'll follow Him, you'll obey, and you'll listen to Him through the Word of God, let Him speak to your heart. He gives you the strength to take a stand when it's hard. But you can do it because you're acting on the authority of the Word of God. And there is no authority greater than that. None whatever. We stand on the Word of God. So pray that each member might know his power. Number four. Pray that each member might be filled with the knowledge of God's will. And walk in a way that pleases God. Now we go to Colossians. Let's go to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled. With the knowledge of His will, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, wisdom—the knowledge of right and wrong—with just judgments to action. Why? Because the wisdom, the decision you're making, is based on the Word of God. It's not based on your feelings. It's not based on what people think is cool. It's not based on well, everybody else is doing it. This is the way the marketers do. This is the way the uh, big churches do it now. No. What does the Word of God say? That is our authority. Okay? And so, you look there. Since the day you he heard it, Nazis to pray and desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will. In all wisdom, the knowledge of right and wrong with just judgment as to action. That action is based on what the knowledge is of the Word of God. That's why you need to be in it daily. Think on it. That knowledge will lead you to just judgment's action. Never, never, never go against what the Word of God says. That's wisdom. And understanding is perception. Sometimes we call that discernment. It's being able to perceive what is deceitful and what is wrong. You see how they... You've got people want to, you know, you need to lead, let up on the standards. That, that, that's old stuff. Oh, you need to change that. You need to change that. And what they're wanting to change from is truth and holiness. Because my children are offended by it. Look, been in a Christian school now since here since 1984. Many parents who have had at one time very strong standards. Boy, I mean those standards are super strong. But when their children became teenagers and they wanted to go this other way, then they start telling us what's wrong with our music, what's wrong with our standards, They're too strong in either case. Why did they get there? Critical thinking. Because they have a love for their children that does not look out for the best for their children that has their spiritual welfare in line. And see, they're deceived by, hey, look at this church. They've got standards. Their their sons and daughters love God. I've too often seen the results about 10, 15 years later. It's not there. But beyond that, Satan uses those arguments to deceive. That's why you want that spiritual understanding to perceive. And so, each member needs to be filled with the knowledge of God's will. That's where you seek it. And then verse 10 says that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Now, look, you've heard me say this before. Since 1974, I've read the Bible through at least once every year. Now, in the last couple of years, I've listened to Alexander Scorby read the Bible through in a year. Okay, that's just where I am. As a matter of fact, I just started study on a book of the Bible that now in about, First time in about four years, I'm able just to get into books out and study them, get that magnifying glass and some other things out, and I can get it and get it down. And so I just started that. Boy, I'm excited for it. I'm boy, it's just things that say. Wait a minute, dummy, you read that since 1974? All these years you've been reading that and you didn't get that? Yeah, your pastor's a dummy. <laughs> but boy, I tell you what, the Lord shows you something. He shows you something. All right, and so. I want to walk worthy of the Lord. Wow, worthy of the Lord. Unto, boy, I'm glad you added unto, because I know I'm not worthy of the Lord. Unto all pleasing. Oh, I want to please God. He's the blesser. He's the answer of our prayers. He's the one that gives the answers. He's the one that gives us direction. Being fruitful. In every good work. You can be involved in a good work and not be fruitful. Being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. You can increase in the knowledge of God and be strengthened, the next verse says, with all might. Now that's the strength to do. Wisdom was the knowledge of right and wrong with a just judgment as to action. But now we're seeing strength here. Might. That ye might with all might, according to his glorious power, his authority, unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness. And we're to pray that each member will be strengthened, number five. In all might, for patience, for long suffering, and for joyfulness. You see, number four, when we're praying for each member, for each of us to be filled, praying for ourselves and each member to be filled with the knowledge of God's will, and walking a way that pleases God. That means that I am going to search God's word to know Him more, but also to know His purpose for my life. You know, a lot of people might be involved in teaching a Sunday school class. They might get involved in the bus route. They might get involved in the choir. I mean, there's so many things to get involved in in ministry. And you're saved. God, through Jesus Christ, has ordained the local church and for a way for us to serve Him and to reach the world for Christ. Christ ordained that. God ordained that. And so in that ordination that He's done, He's got something for you to do in the church. But make sure what you're doing is the purpose that God impressed on your heart to do in your local church and out in your daily life in the world, in your marriage. Look, the Bible talks about your daily life, whether it's your marriage, or children, raising children, obeying parents. Even when you disagree, if there's authority over you, the Bible tells us what to do. And so, when we look back there again, His glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. Patience. When we think of patience, His glorious power unto all patience. Do you think Christ has had patience with you? He has with me. And my friend, whether you know it or not, he has with you or you wouldn't be here. Okay. Your body would be in a grave and your spirit would be with the Lord if it's saved. And long-suffering with joyfulness. Joyfulness. fruitful in every work, increasing in the knowledge of God, then as you grow to know Him so much better, so much more, then you understand patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. Why? Because from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. It's forever, my friend. He is forever. And knowing that he is forever. We stay true to the word. Now, I need that prayer daily. You need that prayer daily. Now, we've just looked here, basically, at the first four things. Walking in a way that is God there as number four. Now, next Sunday night, I want to get on to number five and move on through this. But I want you to see these things first, to know that they apply to our lives. But it's also how we are to pray for one another. Old John R. Rice said it best, my greatest failures are prayer failures. Not that he didn't pray. He didn't pray rightly. Sometimes we pray for things that we ought not to pray for, that we would know not to pray for them if we prayed according to his will and word. So tonight I want to invite you as Christians to come and commit yourself to pray for one another in this church that way. Pray for yourself that way. And also, I want you to ask the Lord to help you to grow and increase in the knowledge of God. You might be patient and long-suffering, knowing great is your reward in heaven. God's called us to pray. We have an example of Christ praying for us. We also have an example here tonight of Paul praying for other church members. A church that he had planted and then he wrote back to Coloss and lets them know he's still praying for them. He remembers them and prays for them. That needs to be our prayer as well. Let's bow our heads, please.